Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. Hello, this is Rose Mercier in Kingston, the beautiful limestone city on the shore of Lake Ontario in Canada. Like me today, you are listening to the always entertaining, informative, and excellent tennis podcast. Well, thank you very much, Rose, from Kingston, Ontario, that you heard in our intro there. Rose is a friend of the pod uh, from Canada, obviously. And just to clear something up very quickly, various different Canadian listeners have been in touch to let me know that mittens are a thing in Canadian sport and among Canadian sports fans. So I've learned something. I told you the Canadians mobilise with their emailing, <laughs> and uh, apparently, apparently, it stems from the Vancouver Winter Olympics a few years ago, which were a very good Winter Olympics, I have to say. But we shan't be dwelling on that, folks, because we need to talk about Ash Barty, the Australian Open champion. She won through today in two sets over Danielle Collins, two hard fought set she is a deserving champion as deserving a champion as there could ever be I think she is a celebrated champion a popular champion I mean I don't think popular even comes close to it Matt and I were in the stadium uh, in Rod Laver Arena tonight watching Ash Barty grit out that title and watching her receive the Daphne Ackhurst Memorial Trophy from Yvonne Goolagong, which was a surprise to everyone. Goodness me, they kept that secret well. I genuinely think it was a total surprise to almost everybody in that stadium and it was a very well-delivered moment of theatre. Um, and theatre theatre is exactly the word, I feel, for, for what for what we've all been lucky enough to to see tonight but i think matt and i feel particularly privileged that we were able to be there uh, and ps it's because of friends of the tennis podcast that we were able to be there so thank you very much it the whole night down to the fact matt that for the first time this fortnight they did an announcement saying please put your phones on silent and make sure that they don't make any noise i i haven't 
I haven't heard that before this fortnight. They've been making, you know, various admin announcements about masks, etc. Um, but this really felt theatrical from the word go. And um don't want to labour the analogy, but uh, Ash Barty definitely read the script, I think. And to be fair, Danielle Collins read the script as well because she made it a match. She made it an occasion. She made it not feel like any kind of anticlimax tonight. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really good match. I think it looked for a long time like it was going to go three sets, of course, but in the end it was two very competitive sets, certainly the second set. Um, yeah, it was very special being on the Rod Laver Arena. As you said, there were there were points of difference tonight compared to other nights. You know, that's that's always going to be the case with a final. It feels different. There is a sort of tension in the air from the start, so much on the line. Just the fact that the trophy is was right there at the net when they were shaking hands and having the photo taken. Just, I don't know, it's just all so intimidating, I feel. Uh, and yet sort of both players really really handled it I thought and yeah the media seats were rammed we've we've often sort of had the run of the place to be honest but no no they were packed today um and yeah I I thought the atmosphere was pretty spine tingling actually you know really really went through you when there were big eruptions whenever Ashbarty won points and whenever it got close and yeah I think you said at the start you know joy there's so much joy around Ashbarty everyone likes her everyone roots for her there's you know there's not a bad thing to say about Ashbarty and I think she sort of unites everyone and in, in that stadium there's just such a such a warm feeling towards her tonight it was it was special to be there yeah, uh, I, I've had the privilege of commentating on quite a few of these finals. And e- even in the role that you occupy whilst commentating, you're aware that it matters more, that it feels different, that every point is is being hung on by everyone there. And and I find myself quite edgy. I find myself feeling quite edgy even just watching TV. And, and, and Hannah on our Twitter was really summing that up and from a sort of Barty perspective as somebody who has everybody rooting for you and if she would dare think about that for a few minutes and and feel like those people at home uh, were feeling or those people that were rooting for in the stadium she would not be able to play the sport frankly and and so she had a real job to do on herself in that regard I think she's done a brilliant job really of preparing herself for this moment and and I actually felt overall the occasion ended up being just about perfect because we got to see a, a close start. We got to see the moment Barty put the foot down and showed what she'd got. Then we got to see the Daniel Collins, the real Daniel Collins, and so did everybody in that stadium as she just decided to take them all on and let everybody have it. Let everybody have the full Daniel Collins, come on, let's go, in-your-face experience whilst slamming backhands down the throat of Ash Barty. That was her starting to play her very best tennis for a purple patch there that got her out to that 5-1 lead. And then we saw the flick of the switch of the Barty game. I compared her to Roger Federer last night, and I stand by that comparison. She has something. She has magic in her fingertips. And she showed. She showed why she is separated in that regard from everybody else. And therefore, we ended up with that scene at the end of 
of a player winning the Australian Open. First time I've said it, seen it in my lifetime, and uh, it's a massive deal. It, it really felt huge. Because she didn't play her best tennis tonight, did she? And I, I'm, you know, I'm sort of, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not used to Ash Barty not looking sort of anything but, um, you know, impervious to to anything. You know, that's what she's she's looked all tournament. You know, it's been sort of implausibly smooth almost. So I really enjoyed watching her challenged, what not not just by Danielle Collins, but by the occasion and and by the nerves, which, you know, okay, she's got these real incredible coping mechanisms with with everything that she deals with. Um, You know, her level of self-control and all the rest of it is extraordinary, but she's she's not a robot. They're coping mechanisms. They're they're mechanisms to deal with what she is feeling. Um, And, yeah, that was a massive challenge for her today. She came out hitting her forehand pretty badly really I mean to to be fair Danielle Collins also wasn't wasn't hitting through on the forehand either it was kind of a battle of Barty slice against Danielle Collins beautiful topspin for backhand and um, to be honest in terms of the ground stroke rallies it was Collins that was getting the better of things with that backhand of hers and Barty wasn't getting much from the slice and it was the Barty serve that kept her in it and the Barty serve was such a difference maker today it got her out of so many as as she called them in press half chances you know half chances that were snuffed out for Danielle Collins she just she had that in her pocket and that must be just such a comfort to have what was Nadal's expression about having no it was confidence Nadal had in his pocket isn't it Mm. Mm. well she had that too yeah Serve in one pocket, confidence in the other pocket. <laughs> um, I felt like there were moments in each set which freed Barty up. And in the first set, it was when she saved a break point at two all. And she did so with a brilliant forehand winner. Because, as you said, Collins, in the early stages, I thought, was looking pretty good. She was sort of controlling the rallies. She was getting the sort of shots she wanted. She was starting to sort of hit sort of really deep returns like Yorkers down at uh, Barty's feet and sort of jamming her a bit and Barty fended that off saved a break point with the forehand and then sort of raced through the opening set really just thought it freed her up she started hitting that forehand a lot better and then obviously we can talk about the Collins comeback in the second set but the other moment that sort of freed Barty up was being 5-1 down in that second set and you know she said impressed she was just trying to do things to get some momentum, get some rhythm for the third. And as she did that, she gradually came back into the match. And the last five or six games she played, I thought was pretty much Barty at her top level, you know, in terms of finding the forehand when she needed it, just doing everything she could to get her feet. And, you know, they were sort of highlighted by those red shoes she were wearing, she was wearing, just, just to get her feet in position so she could hit her forehand. Because... You know, we've talked so much about the Barty Slice this tournament. It's been the talk of the tournament in many ways, but it wasn't, I didn't think, the shot which won her this final. It was it was the forehand, really, which she got into play. And then, as you said, the serve as well. There was Once she'd mounted that comeback, there was one hole she found herself in, 5-6, 15-30 down, 
and she hit three unreturnable serves. And she was just able to rely on those sort of key facets of her game when she needed them. And then she just played an absolutely dazzling tie break as well. So, yeah, there was just these... There was there was a lot of tension, but Barty managed to stay cool and, yeah, just loosen up when she needed to and find her best tennis, I felt. My God, was there a lot of tension, though. I mean, that that Rod Laver arena, they increased the, passi- the capacity today to 85%. It, it felt full. It, I oh, mean, yeah. I, could, I could spot the odd seat here and there, but it absolutely felt full. It was... It was utterly deafening I mean it was deafening by the point that Matt and I walked in and the the um the national anthem was was being sung Matt and I were on our feet for Advance Australia Fair hmm? uh, <laughs> um, I think we'd join have been hoisted to our feet if we weren't <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, no but I sort of do know a lot of the lyrics because I've just heard it at lots of Australian Opens mm. yeah Mm. The feeling I got was the same feeling I had when sitting in the commentary box for Andy Murray against Novak Djokovic in 2013 at Wimbledon. Everybody's been waiting for this moment. And he couldn't be playing better. She couldn't have been playing better. It was all set up. And yet, even though it was straight sets like that was, it always felt precarious. It always felt as though this could turn and uh, and frankly, it did turn dramatically. Five one is a heck of a deficit, and also that that deficit was accompanied by Collins just unleashing Danimal, as she calls herself, um, for everybody to see and showing that she's not afraid. And I think that it's then that must have been a really big challenge for Barty to not panic to to maintain her composure, but also ramp up her own competitiveness. And I think what we saw on match point when she finally won it, it was almost mm. a little bit pointed. I mean, it was a release, but it was almost like she just embodied Collins for a minute and let rip her <laughs> own come on and showed Australia and showed the world that, yes, while she is the most likable champion imaginable and everybody thinks of her as the the woman next door and and wants to be her friend she is such a competitor and she is not letting go either and it's in there and then she just unleashed and I, and I love that about her because I think I think people can underestimate just as they used to with Federer they these people are desperate to win and they will they will hold on in the tug of war and until they can't hold on anymore yeah nice doesn't equal no fangs does it no that's the, those she's those decent she's are... likable but she's got absolutely got fangs totally mm. yeah don't i don't think you win grand slams without fangs we'll check with mary on that theory Do, does Marin Cilic disprove that theory don't know anyway we'll can, check well you can lose fangs right <laughs> You can, can drop maybe you can old obtain age. them temporarily if you've got Goran Ivanisovic as your coach. If you eat too much, I don't know, what's a hard food? Help me out here, someone. I don't know. Nuts. Rock? Nuts. If you, eat too, <laughs> if you eat too much of that, your fangs can get blunted. Brighton anyway, rock. that was a misadventure. Um, how about that, that winning moment and the winning feeling inside the Rod Laver Arena. One one of the beautiful things about tonight was that there was just absolutely no no edge to the atmosphere. It was 
as wild and, and intense as you can imagine. It, it actually exceeded my expectations in that regard. I wasn't quite prepared for how intense that atmosphere was going to be, tense and intense. And yet there was just no edge to it whatsoever. It was just pure joy and goodwill. There wasn't a sue to be heard. And that, oh, God, but that was thank nice. Thank goodness for that, yeah. And I just, I don't... Look, I don't. I, I haven't lived in Melbourne for the last two years. I haven't. I haven't been here, so I, do, you know, I don't want to pretend to understand what this city has been through. And equally, I don't want to claim that this city has been through a completely different COVID experience beyond any anyone else. You know, everyone's had their own COVID experience, and everyone is <laughs> everyone is awful and and different in various different ways. But this city has been through it, and I have sensed over the past two and a half weeks that there is a collective post-traumatic um feeling about this city one of great happiness as well that it you know it's not over but there's a, a a feeling and a hope that certainly the worst of it is over in terms of all the the months this city has spent in lockdown more than any other the world over and, and stricter lockdowns than than in a lot of places, extremely strict lockdowns. Um, I, I, I do feel that that is a whole part of this victory and this moment, this collective release and relief in in this city and this country. And, and for that reason, it it feels perfectly timed to me. Yeah, and Barty being, as I said, such a non-divisive figure. You know, everyone can get behind Ash Barty. And there's, yeah, there's there's collective joy to be found in who she is, what she does. Obviously, she means a extra special amount to the Indigenous community. And she's, she's spoken so eloquently about that before as well and yeah I did I did feel like there was something bigger than tennis at work tonight yeah there were a lot of um indigenous flags around the place weren't there and obviously Australian flag it's funny the Australian flag because a little portion of it is the is the Union Jack isn't it so I kept on thinking oh there's a Union Jack over there no it's just an Australian flag um <laughs> and uh, I, I, not that I was, you know, spending vast portions of the time that I was lucky enough to be uh, in the stadium watching the match uh, doing this, but I was looking around and I could only spot one blow-up kangaroo in the whole crowd for an Aussie winning the Aussie Open. One blow-up kangaroo. <laughs> shocking. What are they doing? Absolutely shocking. <laughs> right, let's talk about the ceremony are we feeling strong folks uh, i am now I, I tell you i i filled up the moment that uh yvonne Goulagong corley walked out i really did that, mm. that i don't know i don't know maybe it's because we did that show on her a year ago and i really feel like we know her past and the importance of her and and the role the the position she holds in Australian tennis history um, and everything else. It just really got to me. And knowing their relationship, n- knowing how Ash Barty has really embraced that relationship, she was the person she looked up to more than any other. And the fact that they didn't announce that ahead of time and, and when Todd Woodbridge said, 
was a very special guest here. I was just, I was really hoping it was going to be her, just because I, I, I was thinking, I don't, that's the only person who's really special right now to me. And, um, and, and that was, that's a wonderful moment. I was feeling the same, but all tournament on, on the Channel 9 coverage, they've been, they've been saying, oh, Yvonne Gulagong can't be here this fortnight and they did a job on me because I I really (laughs) didn't think she could be here and I wasn't as much as I was hoping it was going to be her I I, you know I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be her and I was yeah I was blown away in that moment they did it brilliantly and Barty's face you know she she clearly had no idea either I think Craig Tizer said that he he did know um and he did manage to really keep it from from ash but you know she said i was pleased i didn't know because uh, you know i think she said i'd have been under the pump which i'm mm. not entirely sure what that means maybe a bit more under I a mean, bit more were, pressure were you not under the pump ash <laughs> um yeah, I I mean we'd already had the the emotional turmoil of uh, of Ash Barty rushing over to hug oh. Casey Delacqua <laughs> who was sat courtside cuz she was working for Channel 9. Um she was former sat courtside throughout well, throughout the competition former doubles partners, best friends. And Ash Barty described her as her best mate. Um and and, and absolutely pivotal Casey Delacqua in Ash Barty's comeback to tennis there's a there's a very definitive read on ash barty in the um sydney morning herald from a few years ago talking about her upbringing and then her breakthrough in tennis when she won junior wimbledon and the depression she went through when she stepped away from the game and ultimately her comeback to the sport and i reread that piece again tonight after watching Barty have that moment with Delacqua and then they were on the Channel 9 coverage together cracking beers and jokes and there's a there's a section in that article which gosh after seeing all those things tonight it really hit me because it was like a real sort of full circle moment because Barty says um, obviously when she had her time away she went to play cricket and after after they would win cricket matches as a team they would have beers together and so there was there was that sort of reflection tonight with her having a beer on the air and then the very next paragraph in this article talks about her return to tennis and how it was sparked when she went to see Casey Delacqua playing in Sydney and Delacqua dragged Barty onto an empty court and reflected later Casey said it was one of those moments the courts were quiet we didn't want to be amongst it all or make a fuss but it felt good for both of us and I just thought, wow, that sort of sums everything up. Barty is who she is now, and there she is sharing a beer with Casey Delacqua, who helped make it all possible. That was was such a special moment that that Barty got to share with with Casey right there in the moment of victory. She was the person, you know, she rushed over to. It was it was amazing. And in the interest of of method method, you know, reporting, Matt and I are having a beer. Oh, on air it's very good of you it is isn't it isn't it we're nothing david if not committed um so we had that moment and then we went straight into the to the yvonne gulagon corley moment and n- none of that could have been more perfect i don't think and then we had daniel collins speech which was fantastic i thought actually um her presence of mind um 
and composure, I think, to... I mean, I suppose it shouldn't be a surprise from Danielle Collins, but, you know, everyone was there in the stadium, all these many thousands of people desperate for Ash, Ash to speak and desperate to see the moment when Yvonne Gulligan Corley gave that trophy to Ash Barty. But Danielle Collins had things to say. Um, and, you know, I... She may well reach other Grand Slam finals, but she's 28 and she hasn't before now. And she wanted to take that moment to say the things that she wanted to say. Um, and I'm I'm really impressed by that. And there was just towards the end, just this sort of slightly angsty vibe in the crowd of people sort of, I don't think they would have heckled, but there were people sort of muttering under their breath, okay, it's, it's time for Ash now. Wind it up um, now. Wind it up now, yeah, sort of playing the music during the Oscars speeches vibe. Um, <laughs> yes. But I'm, I'm so pleased. She she said the things she wanted to say, and she thanked all the people that she she wanted to. I sort of thought, really, really good on you. And then the last thing she said was, you know, and now let's let's all celebrate what Ash Barty's done for you all tonight. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah. so classy. I thought. Well, she, I mean, she was very clearly. Upon match point and in the immediate aftermath, she had tears in her eyes, and she—I think you know—that's that's a a big thing to do. She hasn't been part of that many trophy ceremonies on the on the tour and all that sort of thing, and this is obviously the biggest moment of her career. And I think she was really feeling emotional, and yeah, and you, you're right, she she got herself sorted out, and she spoke really, really well. Um, and I, I think that's something that's that was very clear about their mutual respect they may not be best mates in the future but they really understand each other as as tennis players and competitors and there's a lot of mutual admiration there that much is clear and actually it's interesting to think about the two of them and look this this does change ashbarty's life it absolutely does winning the australian open as an australian first time in 44 years this is a huge deal there will be a lot that comes with it but you know but as you said Barty's got her processes she's got her coping mechanisms which allow her to be a tennis player again and I sort of think she will take this all in her stride and then you've got Danielle Collins who really her life has changed a lot as a result of what she's done this fortnight you know she's up into the top 10 now she'll just have more of a spotlight on her there'll be expectation and pressure on her to sort of deliver on this and there'll be sponsorships coming her way and you know all which, of that side which of i think she's lacked for up yeah. until now i think you know she's she's had success she's been in an australian open semi-final before french open quarters she's won titles but i think being australian um american rather hasn't really helped her. And the fact that she came through late, having been through the college system, you know, she wasn't a talked about junior. And that's when the scouting is done by all the agents and and everything. That's when you get snapped up by Nike. They're signing up 14-year-olds, you know. They're not signing up many 24-year-olds straight out of college. I think she's she's been in the shadows a bit, deals-wise. You know, she, she was talking today about the fact that she, I mean, she's, She's been without a coach this tournament. She's had a small team with her. She's had a fitness trainer. Her boyfriend's been with her, but she hasn't had a coach. Um, you know, she has had coaches at periods during her career, but I don't think she's ever had a really long-term week-in, week-out travelling coach. And, 
she actually said, you know, she hopes that one of the the changes changes that she'll be able to make going forward is she'll be able to travel with a, a full time physio, um, because she did reference in in the post match press conference that she, and look, she was not blaming her defeat tonight on this at all. Um, but you know, she she said she's had a, a back problem, and actually Matt Matt called it during the match. Um, he said pretty early doors actually I think midway through the first set it looks like she's she's pulling at her back a little bit and it transpires now um that the her her reason for not sitting down at the change of ends is the is the back problem which no, makes right. a lot of sense doesn't it yeah. to, to suddenly start doing that sort of randomly at one tournament midway through your career um I suppose is a funny thing to do but she said she was advised to do that by a physio she said look I had other matches this tournament where it's troubling me and I won just fine. That's not the reason why I lost tonight, but that is a, a thing. And she hopes to be able to travel full-time with a physio. Now, it's crazy to think that it, we just assume that all of these top players have, you know, a personal chef and, uh, you know, a pedicurist and uh, someone Unlimited to, resources, you know, really. carry their bag. Yeah, absolutely. And look... She, She's she's doing fine. We'll not get the violins out for her, but it's not the same for her as it is for, mm. you know, lots of other top players. Yeah, no, that that, that much is is very clear. And actually, uh, watching the match, I couldn't I could see why they'd got that fairly close head to head, or at least a head to head that had competitive matches. Because one thing that Ash Barty I think does lack is a sliced serve that can move away into the forehand and. Her preferred one is that vicious kicker, which is a nightmare for most players. But Daniel Collins just looked at it like a lion looks at prey. You know, it was just <laughs> she. She looks at a lot of things like that. <laughs> just slam the back that Hecklers in the crowd. That might just be her standard facial expression. <laughs> if it is, there was maximum respect. There was that moment where one of her serves landed out, and someone shouted out two meters out or something and she stared them down mm. and then when when she won a point she fist pumped in their direction and and she said in in the uh press conference that it helped her, didn't, didn't mm. it? you know she she loved it she laughed she it did. off and said yeah that was great that was exactly what i needed at that <laughs> moment. that was the best part of the match when she started to really just let her inhibitions go and and take take them all on i mean god that was electric viewing I have to yeah, say. It was. I, I'm so I'm so glad she made a match of it. I really am. Look, I you know, to, had that been anywhere else, I'd have been pretty neutral on 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 wanting anybody to win. But, you know, journalistically I wanted the story in the moment of Ash Barty winning in Australia, I suppose. But more than that, most of all I wanted a match a really great match and I'd have loved a third set. I know absolutely no Aussies in the crowd in the crowd will agree with me on that. Um, I'd have loved a third set. I'd have loved five sets. I'd have bloody loved that final to be best of five sets. And I think they, I, I think the players would have quite enjoyed that being a best of five set final as well. And certainly the crowd would have done, but anyway, that's, that's a topic for another day. Um, but I'm, I'm most of all glad that it was a, a proper, proper game of tennis. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So Ash Barty is now a champion in Australia, a champion in Paris, a champion at Wimbledon. So there's only one missing. Um, unfortunately, we have to wait a whole lot of months before we see Ash Barty going for the career slam in New York. And I, I mean, that was one of the first things that sprung to my mind when she won this title. Wow, she's going to be going. She's going to be going for the slam in New York. And then her coach Craig Tizer comes into press, um, which is a, is a brilliant thing that happens um, that we get to. We get the coaches laid on for us. And Matt, he had some things to say about my excitement for Ash Barty playing this year's US Open. Yes, he has thoughts about the US Open and in particular sort of Rafa Nadal-esque thoughts about the balls at the US Open. And he said straight up, if they don't change the balls at the US Open... Ash Barty will not win it. Um, and he pointed out that the balls are different for the women at the US Open to what they are for the men. And she said, it, and he said it's a terrible ball for someone like Ash. Um, so, look, I don't know enough about it to, to sort of have an opinion on that. But it was quite a statement to make. And look, maybe that's all part of taking the pressure off and... You know, it's it's perhaps it's a bit of a sort of tactic, and yeah, you're, Barty not, you're is... not under the pump now, Ash. <laughs> Barty is so good at adapting. I can't possibly imagine that 
the ball could be so different yeah, that I mean, Barty she, isn't capable of playing with she it. She has won matches in New York. I know it's been her least successful slam by far, but it's not like she's crashing out two and two but first she's round lost every time. surprisingly heavily sometimes. Uh, Shelby Rogers, uh, it was uh, Wong Chang, wasn't it? Uh, I remember she lost mm. to, and that was a surprising one when when you know she, she'd won the French Open that year and everything looked set up. And but I mean. I do remember Craig Tizer was the one who took aim at the WTA finals ball, if mm. you remember, uh, when he was mm. saying, there's no he, way she's playing that. He needs that. to get together with Rafael Nadal <laughs> and have a nerdy old time talking about balls. <laughs> <laughs> they would both love it. He did say that, that Barty changes her strings for the US Open. Again, a sort of technical area I'm not. I'm not qualified to talk Very about, but yeah, she uses, she uses gut rather than poly at the at the US Open. I can't tell you how much my dad will be he enjoying this that, segment of the podcast. Is there any more detail? This is just for David Whitaker here. Is there any more detail? I think we've wrung it all out. Okay, uh, sorry, and can, You must get get his view on on whether he thinks mm. that Ash Barty is going to. You know, and what, what maybe what she should be doing, Catherine? I'm not which, sure. which kind of setup should he I'm have? I'm not sure. If my, I mean, my dad's expertise on strings is knows no bounds, uh, but I'm not sure it extends to balls. But we'll inquire. Sure. We'll okay. inquire. Mm-hmm. Strings and boats. Strings and boats. Um, she'd be on the boat. Oh yeah, Ash Barty's on the boat. Yeah, yeah. beers yeah. and sort of get your head down and. Do the hard graft. Yeah, that's yeah, the winning combination for With group. talent. With with talent, yeah. No scenes. No. <laughs> no. No ego. No, I think my dad said no ego. Definitely beers were involved. Anyway, she's ticking all the boxes. Um, so other than the US Open balls, who can beat Ash Barty and how? Well... When I saw this item on your agenda, my mind went back to twelve, well, eleven months ago when Naomi Osaka won this tournament. And I think our, our next podcast afterwards was: Is this when Naomi Osaka takes over? And that was very much my sort of view on things: is that with her playing like she is, and she just won U.S. Open, the Australian Open back to back, it felt inconceivable. That she, that anybody could beat her if she was playing her best tennis, and you know things changed dramatically, didn't they? And and it's very difficult not to have recency bias when you see somebody win a Grand Slam and you can't really imagine them playing anything other than what they're playing like now. Uh, what I would say is Barty, I think, has the most complete skill set and the most. She has things that everybody else just don't, they don't have what she has, and uh, and it feels like she has now learnt how to use them better than ever before. She's now in perfect control of her own skill set and and her mind as well. And I think she started to work out how to combine the tour with her own life, which is obviously tricky given from Australia all these months away and whatever. But I think she can now, I think we're going to see the next th- probably three years as as her peak. And And so I think she could... She could really collect a lot of big titles in that period. She could win at least double what she's got now, I think, uh, in terms of Grand Slam title haul. I think she's right right there. And, and if she's on a game, it's very, very difficult for anybody to stop her because she can diffuse power and she can make them kind of 
capitulating malfunction. She can make all the other players malfunction. That's the the problem because her game is a nightmare. Is she the only player in the world, you know, with four very genuine chances at winning a slam? Yes. You know, every year because yeah, of mean, that because of that yes. surface you're, you're, diversity in the game. You're talking about I the mean, career. Go, go back go back 5 years and you'd say Serena but now. Yeah. Absolutely. You're talking about the career slam. I mean, she she why can't she win the calendar slam? I mean, I, well, I know that's... Well, because of the balls. <laughs> because no, of the balls, I, David. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe a word of that, to be honest. Uh, I mean, look, I, th- I do think... I'm um, sure it's a problem, you, but I'm you, sure David, she can adapt. trying to say that we all collectively, in particular me, perhaps, should uh, regret how much we laughed at the predictions person that suggested they were going to predict Barty to win a calendar slam. <laughs> I, I mean, I still, I, I still don't. Be saved I, by the ball. I don't think she will. I definitely um, think that, she, as you say, she is a contender for all of them. And in fact, right now, she'd probably go in as the favourite for all of them. Mm. There, there aren't yeah. there, there aren't many. I can, are there any men that you can say that about? Really, I mean, no. Djokovic would not no. have gone into the French Open last year as the favourite. Nadal wouldn't go into the favourite as at Wimbledon. But I don't see how Barty is not the favourite for every Slam this year. Yeah, no, I, I I think I agree. Obviously, things can change, but as it stands at the moment, I I think that is sort of the landscape we're looking at. I, you know, just just to bring it back to Osaka, who we sort of started this conversation with. That for me remains the sort of WTA dream at the moment. Mm. You know, a a peaking Naomi Osaka against a peaking Ash Barty, especially on a hardcore. And we thought we were going to get something close to that this tournament. We didn't quite. But but obviously Osaka is still sort of working her way back. But the tennis I've seen from Osaka winning Grand Slam titles, I'm going to use the classic phrase, takes my breath away in the same, you know, to the same level that sort of Barty's tennis does. It's for different reasons, but mm. that is unbelievable tennis that Osaka can play. And I, and I think her on a hard court would probably be the biggest, the biggest challenge. To be honest, I feel... I feel exactly the same way, but I would extend that to 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 to, to all of the WTA Avengers. Um, what I'm hankering for is rivalries, rivals for Barty. You know, repeated matchups. You know, where you get an intriguing head-to-head, and what will happen this time? And oh, she leads the head-to-head, but most of those matches have been on this surface, which isn't her favourite, and all of that. That's what I want. I want. There was a hint of it with Barty and Sabalenka, mm-hmm. wasn't there? Um, and it was getting good. It was. It was. They were good. It was. It was. It was good for a little patch there. Um, more of that, please. More of, yeah, Barty against Osaka. Andrescu, please come back. Andrescu, I'm desperate for her to come back. Sviontek, um, match away uh, this tournament. You know she's there or thereabouts. Krejcikova. Um, all of these players, you know, there's more, but, um, you know, Raducanu, um, I want those rivalries. I want these people to be meeting all the time in the biggest matches. Um, and I love the odd surprise as well. It's not like, a, you know, but give me rivalries. Mm. Indian Wells, Miami yeah. uh, is a swing I'm looking forward to suddenly. Mm. Uh, and then all the clay, you know, it's all good. It is indeed, David, all good. Um, 
couple of other things to mention from tonight. Uh, there were dotted around the stadium Where is Peng Shui t-shirts, uh, which were being sold by democracy ac- activists outside the entrances to Melbourne Park this evening. Um, and the, I think they had a thousand in total. We're not entirely sure how many exactly sold, but I saw I saw a fair few um, being worn tonight and I was very pleased to see that you know being worn by people that were there for the tennis ash party fans they weren't there to cause any trouble they were just they just had a thing on a t-shirt that they believed in um and there were reports that the channel 9 tv cameras had been instructed not to not to show the where is peng shui t-shirts in the crowd I do not know if those reports are accurate um yeah, I simply don't know. Matt and I were there. We weren't watching Channel 9 coverage. Cannot confirm. Um, but I'm very pleased that there was that representation um, mm-hmm. for those T-shirts in the crowd tonight. Um, what else? I I don't want to end on this. We'll end on, on a little preview of the, uh, of the men's singles final tomorrow. Um, and yes, don't worry, we will mention the special Ks, folks. We will do that. <laughs> Um, in fact, should we do that now? Yeah. Should we do the special case? Well, I mean, we actually genuinely didn't see it. Yes. Because oh. the because the Danielle Collins press conference was happening and the Ash Barty press conference was happening, and it just so happened that we couldn't watch the special case mm. genuinely. So. I think it's over to you, David. Well, uh, we, we saw all of it because my, my wife saw the end of the Ash Barty match and then she sat through every single ball of the special case. Absolutely loved it. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it was it's it's a different environment with the, the Rod Laver Arena, I think, compared to that, uh, that smaller arena, the Kia Arena, because of... They're just further away, aren't they? The fans. It's a much more sort of a polite atmosphere in comparison. And and there were two Australian teams, um, Purcell and Ebden, and it was it was a good match. It was good good contest. Do you mean and... do you mean the the M and M's, David? Please use their appropriate nickname. Oh, they're Australians what I'm going to do, is after it? all. Right. Okay. The M and M's and the special case. Yeah. Right. The M and M's and the special case, and people in the crowd did have cereal boxes from special k containers in their hands putting them on their hands almost as mittens to clap them together so yeah that the, your your cringy face Catherine, is kind of fitting i would say for for how it looked um but people were having a good do time you th- do you think david do you think at some point in the near future they will get some sort of associated corporate sponsorship you never know you never know uh, mm, one bloke got never, thrown out you never know one chap got uh, thrown out for shouting something out, and, and it, it was left to Nick Kyrgios to go over to, to towards him and point him out to the security guards for them to remove him. Um, so that happened. And, and I mean, look, the, the, the tennis was good. It was a more sort of conventional doubles team against these two really good singles players, talents and creators on, on the court. And, and Kyrgios came out of the tunnel doing something on on his phone. I think he was live streaming his walk onto the court. And I, I felt for the first half dozen games that Kyrgios was too loose, frankly. He he, he looked like he was playing an exhibition uh, during the first 20 minutes. And then things started to get more serious. It became a pretty good match. Um, and then in this speech, there was one little moment, and it kind of references what we spoke about a couple of days ago in terms of where does this leave 
this moment that is being made such a fuss of the fact that Kyrgios and Kakanakis have brought a lot of attention, extra attention to the doubles and this tournament. When uh, Max Purcell said, you know, these two are a really good doubles team and, and they're great. I've loved watching them. and I really hope we see them out here again and, and out on the tour playing more doubles. I really hope we do. Yeah, and he wasn't, and he was saying it in an encouraging way. It was kind of like, I really want that to happen. Um, and I think that that's the the test, really, because I mean, Kokonakis and Kyrgios loved the time they spent together. You could, you can tell there's an immense bond between the two of them. But is this a one-off? Is this just a, an experience that Nick Kyrgios is going to have and say, right, that was great, on we go, never do it again? You know, well, and I, I hope I, not. I can answer some of those questions, David. On behalf uh, for you and Max Purcell, um, they were asked whether they would play any of the other Grand Slams together in the post-match press conference. And Kyrgios said he's not playing the French Open full stop and wouldn't play doubles at Wimbledon, I, I guess because it's best of five doubles at Wimbledon. Um, so in terms of the slams, that only leaves the US Open. Um, mm. Now, they might play on tour, but that doesn't make them a regular set-in-stone doubles partnership, does it? No. No. Um, Which, um, it's, it's, hard, yeah. it's hard for it to feel like a revolution, knowing that. I, I know I'm a grump about them. I know. And it's look, just to defend my grump a bit, because by all accounts, the, map, the match itself was, you know, had I watched it, I'm, I might have enjoyed it a bit more than, than other, of their, other of their matches. Um, certainly sounds like, you know, barring one or two, the atmosphere was, you know, pretty great and not too edgy and all the rest of it. But just to defend my grump, Nick Kyrgios after the match said, we've created the best atmosphere this tournament has ever seen. The ratings speak for themselves. Everywhere I play around the world, the stadiums are full. There's a reason why. To say that, after Ash Barty has just won the singles title. We've created the best atmosphere this tournament has ever seen. I find extraordinary. Um, mm. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, high, ad- adrenaline high, all the rest of it. I know people have been into it and it has... it. People have been into it and it has created atmosphere and it has got good ratings. You know, personally, I think there's more to it all than that, but... You know, there are positives in there. I see that. But to say that... Oh, it's tone deaf, really. And, um, and I mean, it, it, the closest thing to it that I've seen is actually from the sport of boxing, where they have kind of got into bed with the famous YouTubers who wanted to become boxers, like Logan Paul and Jake Paul. And, and, they, and they, these people have enormous followings and, um, you know, uh, have ended up creating an immense amount of interest in these fights but has it actually gone anywhere in terms of the good of the sport have they have they ended up getting any extra fans that have stayed around for the other boxing matches that that's that's where i would question what a podcast moment david talking about jake paul i never i genuinely never thought that would happen I have no idea who 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 that is. I, I, look, I'm going I'm going I'm to get ahead of it. I'm going to say not your people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
You've saved me a Google map. Thank you very much indeed. Um, <laughs> now then, I'm, we're going to do just a few minutes previewing the men's singles final tomorrow. Um, and I want to end on a positive. So just before we do that, um, I think we just have to touch upon uh, the news that we had today, um, which is that uh, Emma Adekanu has given evidence in court um, against uh, a man that has been stalking her. Um, the Telegraph and the Daily Mail reported today, teenage sensation Emma Adekanu says she's been left feeling unsafe in her own home after a stalker visited it three times. Um, this is all from, from a court hearing. She said she wants to move to a new house with better security after Amrit Magar, th- of 35 years old, travelled to the London suburb where she lives with her parents in November and asked strangers for her address. Once he found out where she lived, he left notes for the teenager, including one saying she deserved love along with a bouquet of flowers. When he was confronted by Mr. Adekanu's parents, he claimed he was delivering gifts to someone else. Um, the, I mean, look, there's there's plenty more horrifying detail. In a statement, um, Emma Adekanu's father said, I received a notification on my phone from the Nest doorbell. It said someone was at the front of the house. I went outside and could see a male stood on the pavement. He began running away. Um He was found guilty of stalking at Bromley Magistrates Court on Friday and will be sentenced next month. And Emma Adekani gave uh, a statement to the court herself. Um, She she gave the statement to to officers from Melbourne um, last month while she was preparing for the Australian Open. She said, since all this has happened, I felt creeped out. I feel very apprehensive if I go out, especially if I'm on my own. I feel like my freedom has been taken away from me. I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. I feel on edge and worried this could happen again. I don't feel safe in my own home, which is where I should feel safest. She added that it had left her wanting to move as she fears he might come back as he knows where my home is. Um, I'm so depressed about this story. Um, Mm. Depressed by how predictable it is, frankly... There, you reach a certain cele- level of celebrity as a female and this is almost inevitable. Um, and we all know that a certain level of harassment is experienced by by most women full stop and we you know, internalise and accept an awful lot of it. But for a young female celebrity, this is depressingly common and horrifying she is 19 years old and she no longer feels safe in her own home in her parents home i don't know how you get over that kind of invasion of of safety i really don't it's utterly horrifying completely predictable you know i've never had a stalker um but i've had experiences that have made me want to not ever be any level of famous or um, in the public eye. They've made me extremely wary of that, especially in an industry where success often goes hand in hand with that. Um, Yeah, I've not had anything close to this. I'm not suggesting I understand at all, but I've certainly have had moments that have made me just give, given me a taste of that feeling of insecurity. Um, And I'm just so horrified for her. Um, that she's had this experience it's awful 
Yeah, it's just awful. Um, so anyway, that is what it is. I just wish her all the best. And look, frankly, yeah. everyone, I know we're always harping on about this, but it is all the more reason to just give her time. You know, she's not only dealing with all the tennis stuff and all the being a 19-year-old girl stuff and all the rest of it. She's dealing with a flipping stalker as well. Just give her time. Um, and also generally fight the patriarchy. Those would be my two takeaways from this story. Right then, we've just got a few minutes left, folks, to end on a positive note and preview what I damn well hope is going to be a just brilliant men's final. I, I know there's no guarantees tennis-wise, but storyline-wise, it's got everything, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got everything. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really good match too. I, I do think it is. I, do, I don't. I don't see how one of the players doesn't really turn up. I hope. I hope nobody's injured. That's the the only fear I have is that is that somebody isn't hundred percent fit. I think they are, probably are now. I think that they looked good. Um, okay, Nadal faded, but you just hope nobody pulls anything or anything like that. But if they if they're fit. I think that their games match up beautifully for a really good tussle. And as you say, I mean, Nadal is going to take the lead in the Grand Slam race if he wins. And that is just something I would never have thought possible at the start of this tournament. I didn't even have him in my quarterfinals. Quite happy to hold my hand up, admit that, that he is, he is dumbfounded me what, with what he's done. And uh, it's already a massive victory. But that history, particularly given how the path cleared with Djokovic being deported, I mean, it's absurd what has happened. <laughs> and yet here we are with this situation. Every time where... anyone says the word deported, I just have a sort of how did an that electric happen? shock goes through my mm. body. Two weeks ago, um, you you and I were talking, you two were watching a YouTube channel of a court mm. hearing. Uh, and that was two weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, the fact that it... Pri it a prize for anyone that can remember the name of the um, Australian immigration minister. You've got four seconds. Hawke? Alex Hawke. I'm going to try again in two weeks and see, I can't remember see the how judge long it takes name. for his name to fade. The judge's name is gone. Uh, <sighs> Kelly? Kelly. Judge okay. Kelly. But I mean, but you then know, there were three it, of them suddenly. If you'd have told <laughs> anyway. me a year ago that, or maybe, let's say, let's say two years ago, if you'd have told me that it was Nadal who was going to be the one with the chance, I really would not have seen that coming. It's, to be it's like Pulp. It's like Pulp, David, during the <laughs> during the era of Blur and Oasis. You'd never have believed anybody would have talked about Pulp as the greatest. Still don't. Um, they're but, right uh, there in the conversation. <laughs> but no, I mean, look, I I think on balance, I think that that either Nadal will take a lead or they'll split the first two sets, and eventually Medvedev will outlast him. Is is what I expect. I think so too. I think if Nadal's going to do it. It's possibly four, but probably three. Um, and it's hard to see Medvedev taking a straight sets beating, but the will of Nadal is a is a thing. Yeah, I agree with all of that analysis. 
you know, I mean, we spoke a year ago on the eve of the Australian Open final, expecting Medvedev to show up and play well. He didn't. But I feel even more confident now that he's going to show up, play well. You know, he's a Grand Slam champion himself now. The experiences he's had in the last year, I think, just make him ready for this. And, yeah, look, there's <laughs> there's a very powerful sort of force behind Nadal at this tournament. And I think... You know he'll be the favourite. Not that that will not that that will bother Medvedev, but there will just be a an energy, I think, in that stadium, combined with Nadal's own will and energy and force on the court, that could make him very very hard to stop. The problem is, you know, sort of the one guy in the draw who I think could could cope with all that and has the mental strength and crucially the tennis as well to to deal with all that is Medvedev. So I think that's why I come down on Medvedev winning tomorrow as well. Um, but yeah, please let them be fit and let it be fitting of of, of the occasion and the storylines at play. Mm, absolutely. That will be what we're talking about on our final daily Australian Open podcast coming to you around about 24 hours from now, maybe a little bit more. We'll also have a review show, uh, a brand new genre of show, folks, um, which will be available for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. If you want to become a friend, then do it. Um, The link is in our show notes. Uh, Charlie is our Australian Open mascot. Charlie has been a champ. One more day, Charlie. One more day. You just got to hang in there. Uh, we got Carter. We've got Darwin, and we've got Gerald the Cat. Were points scored today, folks? They were. They were okay. Mm-hmm. Not many, but some. Some. Um, we have got Billie Jean who is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Ilana Kloss. We have Kyle Weingartner and Chris Albert-Lee, our top blokes and executive producers. Hello to you both. Uh, and we've got shout-outs, Matt. We have Aaron Walls in San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco again. I've been there. <laughs> um, we are living just off Wall Street. So that's a bit like Aaron Walls, isn't it? Not that one. No, no, a little, a little version of Wall Street. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. We have. Thank you, Aaron. Jessica Thompson in Melbourne. Oh, hello, Jessica. Have you been to the tennis? Let us know. Hi, right, Jessica. Um, Say something to her in Australian, Catherine. Yes. G'day. Uh, <laughs> what other things do I annoyingly say in an Australian accent every day? Um, Ash Barty. Ash Barty. Um, How about Jessica Thompson? Yeah. Grothy, Grothy. <laughs> you, yeah, everyone's everyone's got an irritating oh, yes. nickname. I had a real mm. moment today where I realised I've been watching so much Channel Nine because Ash Barty was talking about just you know the legacy of Australian tennis and Yvonne Goolagong and Rod Laver and and she said even even modern day players like Sam and I thought Sam Groth, blimey, that's. <laughs> That's big. And of course, she was talking about Sam Stoza. But Sam Groff has been <laughs> so is, present in my life over the last really two weeks. really big part of our lives, David. It's too big. 
too big. Um, I've sorry, I've just thought of the ultimate Australian thing that I say all the time: Barnings Warehouse. Oh well, you know, I've mm. I've had that in my life since two thousand and three when I went there for the mm. first time. Thanks, Jessica. You know all the jingles. I know. I do know all the jingles. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, we have another Jessica, Jessica Schaefer in New York, who says, "I'm considering getting a pet just so they can be pet mascots." Oh, Jessica, <laughs> do it! I would recommend either a dog or a three-legged cat. <laughs> in fact, she can bring one over for you. Yeah, well, Jessica. Yeah. Thank you. We wish. We wish. Not we seen Matt Robin promises since. me. That Robin, the three-legged cat, will make an appearance tomorrow because the first time we saw her was on the first day of the tournament. So she's going to be waiting for us tomorrow on the last day of the tournament because Robin has a sense of poetry about her. I could tell when we met. Yeah, so tune in tomorrow, uh, folks. I'm told Robin's more into golf. Uh, Is that a gag that I don't get? Just not into tennis. Doesn't really want to hang around with tennis people. Well, she did. She already did, and she loved it. <laughs> um, tune in tomorrow, folks, for Robin News and our review of the men's singles final. Uh, there's also the women's doubles final, isn't there? There's the Brazilians against uh, Krejcikova and Siniakova, who I'd imagine are the heavy favourites in that one. So we'll wrap up the tournament for you in one last Australian Open daily podcast for you tomorrow. We'll see you then. 